Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 96, and today we are going behind the story, and I am your co-host, Nigel. And that's usually where Tazzy comes in, um, but Tazzy is on an, in an undisclosed location, uh, a film set somewhere, uh, so she's not able to join us this week, but she will be back uh, with us for next week's episode. But I am here... And we have a guest. So as you know, we like to talk to creative professionals across industries to unpack the story that is their journey into their industry. And today we're going to hear the story behind freelance concept designer, Emily Rina. Emily, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Hello, Nigel, and thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. No worries. Yeah, glad you can join us and uh, looking forward to hearing more about the work you do, especially because you've worked on uh, one of my favorite franchises. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, so to let people know, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com. Drop them in our Discord or throw them us on social media. We are at mymatter on Twitter at Mayamata TV on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Uh, before we get into our interview segment, I want to let people know what's been happening in the Mayamata universe. And actually, one of the things that's happening is uh, I'm out of the country. So if uh, the audio sounds slightly weird than it does usually, um, that is why I'm in a slightly different setup than I'm used to. Uh, but I was able to bring my mic with me and uh, get everything as close to normal uh, as I can. So that's one thing that's happening. Um, in terms of like our manga, we have our serious Through the Fog Collector's Edition, Standard Edition uh, available. Always want to let people know that they can pick that up from our website. We've also started a new series called Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So this is going to be a monthly one-on-one -on -one series where I will be talking to different creators each month. And yeah, find out about them, the work they do. And the next episode will be with British manga creator Shango Edunjobi on Tuesday, the 22nd of March from half at 7 p.m. GMT. So check that out. And then every month, like I said, will be happening. Um, we'll be having more conversations with different comic creators. And with our Studio 77 activities across March, uh, we've got one main thing we're looking at which is our Knockout City Games Night, which is going to take place on Wednesday the 30th of March from 7pm GMT. We'll be playing three-on-three -three dodgeball with our Studio 77 members and Tazzy as well. And you can watch along live on Twitch, join the chat, and uh, yeah, just watch us throw dodgeballs at each other for the night. Um, as always, you can check out our past Games Night highlights. We're working on putting all the different highlights up from each Games Night. So even if you can't see us live, you can get a flavor of what happened. So we played games like Roblox, Fortnite, Rocket League, Identity V, soon to be uh, Knockout City. So those will go up in time over YouTube or some are up now and there'll be more to come. We're also looking ahead to our spring gamepad online event, which will be on Saturday the 9th of April, live on Twitch and hosted by Tazzy. As we usually do for the event, We'll be bringing you another friendly fire competition, bringing together communities for a friendly um, 
friendly gaming competition. So it's not about necessarily being the best, although we do have some good players that have come, but about taking part uh, and enjoying the spectacle uh, of it. So whether you're watching or playing. And then alongside that, we have our industry interviews and panel. So we're working on putting those announcements up on our event page. So you can check out the Eventbrite link for that. And we will be doing another giveaway. So we're going to be giving away t-shirts from our campaign. So make sure you join us live uh, if you would like one of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign t-shirts. And speaking of the campaign, if you've been listening to us for a while now, you will know that we have launched our Do I Look Like a Gamer representation campaign, which is promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So as this comes out, we have already launched the website, we've done a launch live stream, and we have spotlighted the 40 people who have made up our photo campaign. And we're preparing to go into the events phase of the campaign. So we've got three key events, which people, uh, if you are able to travel down to London, you can attend. So they are three physical events, but we will also have a live stream component uh, to each of them. So if you're not able to travel down, or up depending on where you are um, you can still take part in the events we'll also be announcing uh, our plans to have other people get involved in terms of the photos submitting your own photos and other chances to win uh, the campaign t-shirt so this is especially important for young people parents guardians uh, and those who aspire uh, to make their way into games to understand some of the paths um, there are and uh, network and learn some skills that can help you take those first steps. So make sure you check that out, looklikeagamer.com. And yeah, follow us on our socials and you'll be able to find out when we have more announcements. So there are more announcements coming if they've not already been done by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so that's all the things that we are working on at the moment. Let's go behind the story with today's guest. Emily is a freelance concept designer based in Toulouse, has worked in the area of science fiction for video games and contributed to titles like Elite, Dangerous, Mass Effect Andromeda, Lawbreakers, and an unannounced first-person shooter IP from Creative Assembly, among other projects. Uh, aside from that, she can be found with comics and playing piano to her cats, which uh, I feel I've got to ask about uh, at some point as well. So Emily, what we like to do is find out where people have come from. So I know you are based in France. Have you always lived in France um, or Toulouse specifically? Um, hey, so I've mostly uh, lived in France, uh, except for the, the couple of last, last years where I was uh, living in, in, in England, in Cambridge, then Horsham. But originally, I'm from um, a small island in the, the Caribbean uh, called Guadeloupe, and it's a French island. So even if it's uh, remote, it's uh, in um, Central America, in the, the Caribbean. It's still part of France, so it's the same country. Really? So I'd say that, yes, I've always uh, lived in France, but in a lot of different uh, yeah. cities. Yeah, I've, I've been moving a lot. That's pretty cool. I've uh, I've never been to the Caribbean actually. I'm, that's uh, should be on my list to go to. It's beautiful, beautiful. A lot of uh, beautiful islands. 
yeah i've i've seen many good looking pictures uh there and it's like why have i never been so okay <laughs> <laughs> um i have lived in cambridge though which uh oh. is is decent it looks it looks decent not as good as the caribbean but um I have lived yeah there it's before. not the same yeah 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 <laughs> if it's nice not, i mean you know it's yeah. definitely nice yeah you know i mean when i when i came to live in uh in cambridge actually people told me that it was not fair because i was going to one of the beautiful one of the most beautiful uh city in england and that mm. if i move around i'll be there'll be a bit of deception <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i get that i definitely Wait, how long were you in cambridge for um, I spent two and a half years um, there, and then two and a half years in Horsham. So in total, five years in England. Oh, cool. Okay, you spent more more time there than I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I was there for because I um, while I was at university, I did a I did my work placement in Cambridge, so moved there uh, and worked there for a year, mm. uh, and then came back to London, where I spent most of my time. Right. Yeah. And as you were growing up, what was your relationship with video games? So were you always into video games or is it something that came later in life? No, I was being I was being as far as I remember and it's thanks weirdly to my mum. <laughs> um okay. yeah, even though she she's definitely not in video game until um even until now. Uh, somehow, even though she was not as well in into technology, uh, one day she brought um, a Nintendo at home, and that's how it started. <laughs> and I was um, I was um, I was three or four years old. Oh no, sorry, sorry. I was um, it was when I was living in the Reunion Island. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it might be around that that age that's uh so she wasn't into video games but she bought you a video game console how did that exactly happen yeah did she know what she was buying uh i i I don't know actually i think she just saw that somewhere and she thought that would be cool as a new toy because it was different yeah i don't think she imagined (laughs) how much time i would spend uh on that um yeah what kind of games were you playing? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I remember. I was playing some French game, which is called uh, Asterix and Obelix. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. But also uh, Secret of Evermore. I had a, I don't remember all the, the game's names, but I had a, a fireman um, game that I did like a lot. Uh, I need to find the name of this. But the, mm. the one I really remember is Secret of Evermore because it was terrifying. Oh, really man. hard. <laughs> was my first RPG. Oh, wow. It's such a young age as well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So in that case, like, so you were into video games as a, as a player, but then at what point were you aware that you can work in video games and specifically as a concept designer, concept artist? That actually came really late in my life because, I mean, back in the days, I didn't know uh, that you can make a career out of this. Uh, so um, I, I was still playing video games, but I was di- doing a different kind of studies at university. Uh, originally, I wanted to be um, a French teacher abroad. Oh, okay. So I've done a couple That's very of different. different. Yeah, very very different. I've done a couple of uh, different degrees, definitely not related to video games. 
before ending in an art school where I actually, um, after that, I, I thought I would work in maybe in animation. I didn't know, I still didn't know that the video games were a thing. Mm. I mean, video, a career in video game was a thing. And, um, and one day, uh, one of my teachers organized a workshop with, uh, with a school next to mine in uh, Poitiers in France. And uh, this school was a video game school. And I was 22, 23, something like this. So really, really late. And, um, and we did this workshop with this video game student. And that's how I learned that this kind of school existed and still exists. And that you can make a career out of that. They had, uh, I mean, they were learning game design and concept art and sound design mm -hmm. and everything related to video games. So, I mean, obviously I was super excited and I, so I did this workshop and then I made friends with a lot of the students of this school uh, who are still some of my best friends uh, today. And uh, I I don't know if, if I can say that in English, but I squatted their school. I tried to learn alongside them, even though I was not in the same school, but I was asking them a lot of questions and that's where somehow it started, where I changed path. Um, and I was like, well, video games, I'd love to work in that. And, um, and I, yeah, and that's where I started to build a portfolio on my own um, side of uh, my original studies, <laughs> actually. Mm. So you're doing it alongside what you were studying at the time, building a yeah. portfolio. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. It sounds like a yeah. lot of work. Um, yeah, yeah. And it is it's funny in a way where, because we, we've heard like a version of that where people who are playing video games but don't realize they can work in video games. And that's, mm. I guess when you look back, it, it seems obvious because you're playing something, someone had to make it, right? Exactly, so, yeah. But like it's the same with our schools here where the careers in video games don't always get highlighted or people don't always know about them. So you find people, you know, a lot later in in life obviously not too late because you are <laughs> you're here now but uh later than possibly uh could have been otherwise uh find out that they can work in video games so now it's cool that you you made your way eventually yeah i'm, I'm quite happy i i took the risk <laughs> yeah and th actually that's that takes me to my next question because with because you mentioned your parents sort of getting you into video games in a in a way a lot of the times uh, we hear like parents don't always understand video games and see it as a risk, like to work in a career in video games. Is that something that you've you found like in the early stages where the the career path wasn't as clear? Not really, actually, because um, somehow um, it, it was it was art related, and uh, my. My my mom regrets that she never got to uh, to do, to go to art school. Uh, that was a dream of her. So I think mm -hmm. she was quite happy when I uh, when I told her that I wanted to work in a creative artistic industry. Uh, obviously, uh, as the ground was not uh, stable because I mean uh, I was not get I was not going to get a degree uh, for uh, for that. So um, I was 
going to be on my own trying to find ways to break in the industry so so she she was just worried a little bit about that mostly because that's an industry that she doesn't know and understand how it works uh, so it was really difficult for her to understand that I don't need a, a resume or or a, a cover letter necessary and all I have to do is paint and present an amazing portfolio <laughs> to get hired uh, that's that's the kind of thing she was worried about. And weirdly, because my dad is more pragmatic, I would say, somehow he believed in me. I mean, could, I think they could understand that from a very young age, that was my passion. And because I took this decision at this age, that was um, a well-thought decision. Mm. So I'm really lucky that I I never had any um, of my parents holding me back from that dream. Um, really lucky about that because I know that yeah a lot of people are worried and saying oh that's not a real career that doesn't exist or the, I mean they can't see the future of this. Yeah, no, it's true that that does uh, like you say hold some some people back where if parents family don't understand like the the industry and the the paths that exist because. The paths that exist are uh, a lot of the times different or look different than sort of more traditional roles that everyone is aware of and have been around for years and years. Where what we have in video games is a future industry. I mean, games have been around for decades now, but it's still relatively young and a lot of the, the jobs aren't jobs that we might think of. In, in a traditional sense and some of them haven't even been created yet so it's great that you had that backing from your your parents and it sounds like they were a big inspiration for you yeah different differently and in those early stages did you have any other inspirations like um other creators in video games or otherwise uh, yeah definitely i mean um so so yeah when i when i met those uh, school students I learned the the world the word concept art that I didn't know before. So obviously I did Google that <laughs> and found a couple of artists. And definitely the first who inspired me were uh, Anthony Jones, who mostly designed characters, beautiful, not only but black and white characters. Uh, it is a really great painter, really good at anatomy. So there, there was definitely him I did follow. I did buy a couple of his um, tutorials that that he was selling for really cheap, like two dollars. Um, so that allowed me to 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 have someone from uh, of experience to learn from uh, through his videos. And um, and yeah, and later on I discovered uh, Aaron Beck's and uh, um, Aaron Beck. Sorry. I'm trying to find the old, old one. I, I, I definitely remember Anthony just because of the tutorials. Um, but yeah, I, I think that right now I won't be able to give you more names, actually. I mean, I have the, the artists I like now, but at the beginning, I, I, had, I have a hard time finding their names. Yeah. No, that's fine. I mean, it's, that, it's good to hear that you had that uh, inspiration and looking at other artists' work. So I guess that means because you studied other things in university you were self-taught in a sense yeah yeah definitely um yeah definitely self-taught but um i mean about that i i know that a lot of people find it really hard and uh, i mean um learning by the, by themselves and choose to go to school 
and that's great. Uh, that's great. But definitely, and even more nowadays, you can learn uh, by yourself with all the resources there is on the internet. It's just incredible for free or extremely cheap compare, compared to uh, to schools. But yes. I, because I mean, at that time, I I was. Um, I wanted to, after my art school, I wanted to go to a video game school uh, to actually have a degree. I mean, that was reassuring for my parents if I could get a degree for that. Yeah, uh, but that. that means that uh, it would be three years more. And I mean, uh, because of all the different degrees I have, I've been studying for 10 years already. So I was like, well, I'm not sure I want to do more. <laughs> uh, I think I've got enough. <laughs> and, and because I... And thanks to my mom, because that's uh, she told me that that I I trust myself with learning things on my mm. own. She told me to be um, uh, independent in this way, being able to to learn by my own. Yeah, I think that's so important. So, yeah. So so thanks. I mean, couldn't thank my mom enough uh, for <laughs> these kind of skills she told me. Uh, because definitely I'm here thanks to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, thank you to her. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's an important lesson because even even if you go to university, um, you obviously want to learn what's being taught. But I think when it comes to creative industries in particular, where everything moves so fast and you, it's about, in a sense, being unique or showing your your style through your work and I think being able to go okay here's what I'm being um, taught but then here's here's where I can go and and showcase my skill my particular skills I think that's so important for uh, being able to work independently and learn independently like you've done whether you go to sort of formal education or not mm, yeah yeah okay so once you've like decided you want to you want to work in games and you discovered sort of um, being a concept artist, a concept designer, what was your big break? Was there a big break, like a moment where you're like, okay, I'm now, this is my first major job uh, and I feel like I'm part of the industry? It was actually not a job at first. I Luckily, I did get an internship somewhere mm. in Paris uh, in a studio called um, Nova Quark working on a MMO, a space MMO, um, yeah, yeah. A science fiction MMO. And that was when I told myself, yeah, I, I've got my foot in. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and it was only a six-month uh, internship. And then I did get a job uh, for, from them for a year. So I was, I was extremely happy to get the internship because I knew that, I mean, the, the bigger step was done trying to yeah to reach uh those people who are actually working in video games and i could be there working with them and learn from them so i think that that's um i mean obviously after that there are some cool studios i've been working with um and in but definitely that's uh yeah that that was the biggest milestone um as you were talking about your first role in in concept art uh, and how you found the role through indirectly through education. Uh, I feel it's worth also just taking a step back to explain what exactly is a concept designer, a concept artist, and in particular, what role do you play 
in the development of a video game? Sure. So, concept art is um, is a, a department uh, in video games that works usually at the beginning of the project and during uh, the project. So. At the beginning of the project, we work with the team, the game designers, the the creative directors, the art directors, to to put in in an image what would the game look like and how we could play, but visually. Uh, so that would give an idea um, to the rest of the team of uh, what is the end goal. So this is a very important uh, step as images work better than images uh, sorry images work better than words mm-hmm. and uh, it's good for it's for um, either for the team it's for the team and uh, the investors and everything so at the beginning is mostly um, good looking images to to help get the team excited about the project and help shaping the the vision of what it would be and it changes uh, slightly when we enter uh, what we call production so the step before was pre-production. So when we enter production, then we start working more precisely on what the the, the game um, is gonna be. Mm-hmm. So we we design and we I say design, but we well we draw, we use 3D, we use every kind of uh, media to convey an idea. We we put images, characters, environments, vehicles, props. Uh, props are the things that populate an environment, like a table, a chair, all the all the objects of uh, of an environment, but also um, gadgets, uh, weapons. So everything that is ending in the game, somehow, not all the time, well, has been uh, designed by um, a, a concept artist, visually, and um, and that helps. Um, the the 3D artist then to create uh, this thing in 3D to be implemented then in in the game engine. So that's what the the concept artist does. Yeah, and you mentioned like the the pre-production and uh, going into production, you need to be a bit more specific. I guess the pre-production stage gives you a bit more space for imagination and for for trying things, and then you've got to be a bit more detailed when you get into production. Yes, exactly. I mean, the pre-production is definitely super, super fun um, because loads of ideas, not everything is set yet. Uh, So you can explore, you can have fun, it can be quicker as well. Yeah, exploration, adventure, (laughs) that's what pre-production is. Okay. Do you find that a challenge to switch between... I can come up with any ideas and we can try things and going into actually I have to cut a lot of these, I, I guess most of the ideas and go to the specific ones that we're going to use in the game. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be hard, definitely. It can be hard either when they are uh, telling you, well, we are going towards the a complete different direction mm. and you need a little bit of adjusting. I mean, some are better uh, this, adjusting quite quickly to this. Uh, some are less good at that, I would say. Uh, I mean, in terms of time of ad- ad- adjustment, but but I mean that, that that's fine. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of ideas that 
you personally find super cool and you would love the game go to go towards this direction, I mean, they might end up in the bin. I mean, in concept art, it's really easy. Um, I mean, from pre-production to production, there is only, I mean, and I'm kind, <laughs> there might be only like 20% of your work that shows up in game. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you don't get attached. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an important point to make because like we've started working with concept artists for for work experience or with young people and and interns um as well and I think what that's one of the things that uh, I've been trying to get across whereas like don't be too attached to your ideas because most of them won't <laughs> make it through and exactly. that's not a, it's not a bad thing it's just the nature of the work so it's not that you've done something wrong or anything it's just like that you're working at the stage where we're playing with ideas and then it's about, okay, now we're going to go with one, two, three, and that's what we're going to go with. And everything else has to be left behind. Exactly that, yeah. It's really hard to understand, I think, when at the beginning of your career, because you're like, I'm going to do my best concept art and they're all going to love it. Well, they might yeah. love it indeed, but that's not what the game needs. And that's very, very different. Mm. Uh, it might look amazing and beautiful, but yeah, what the game needs is very different uh, because it has to, to please to a certain audience. It has to play a certain way. And maybe this concept can't really do what we want game design-wise with, or uh, technically speaking, because we can't do this kind of stuff in this kind of engine. So um, it's yeah. not just about personal appreciation of how cool this concept art is. Yeah, it's like you have to fit to the to the game. To yeah, uh, I get all that. So I think that's an important thing to yeah, like I mentioned, important thing to highlight uh, for people who are who are starting out. But in even looking back to your first role, what was the I guess maybe misconceptions or what were the things that you found challenging in that first role? That looking back, you're like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Hmm. Well, actually, because when I was uh, training myself, I was—I mean, I was well. Definitely, I was not very good when I started, <laughs> like a lot of us. I guess everyone says that. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've all been through this. So definitely, there are a couple of things I didn't understand at first, and that's weird because right now, I mean, that's my not bread and butter, but that's what I like to do. But when you draw something, you you mostly draw it for yourself when it's not for a project for clients. And you don't necessarily think about what people would need uh, so they can take your thing and build it. And I knew I lacked of precision and technicality in terms of how things are built, are made. So it's easily understandable by someone else and then it just can take, out, take that and, and build it. So I did find it uh, uh, challenging to make something believable and reproducible in 3D. That was very, very hard for me because it requires a certain uh, knowledge about how things are made or why they are this way and why things are here and not there. You know, when I mean, I, I learned by myself, so I didn't. Um, I didn't get to encounter this kind of rules uh, until quite late. Until you were in the industry, I guess. Yes, exactly that. Uh, because when you've got your 3D artist coming to you and say, hey, what do you mean by what you've done there? Or, I mean, I can't do this because, I mean, at the time I was not working in 3D. I was, uh, I was mostly doing everything in 2D. 
So that was definitely not precise when I was doing different angles of the same object. And I would say instead of thinking about how globally the 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 uh, the, the object or the thing would be, I would think about it under different. Um, I mean, one angle at a time, and that creates creates massive problems. So um, so yeah, this was really challenging for me. Yeah, it got easier because thanks to my colleagues, yeah. <laughs> they helped me understand and get better at this. Okay, and so from that first role, as I mentioned in the intro, you've worked on sort of a number of titles that sort of people will, uh, would have heard of. So you worked on a, a title called Elite Dangerous. And exactly. I'm always curious to know because the perception or a perception that might exist um particularly for a young person is that they may be responsible for for all the art all the concept art so i don't know if this is the case but in working oh, on yeah. that title where i'm guessing you weren't responsible for all of the concept art so what part did you work on um and how what was the size of that team sure well i wish i was responsible of all the concept <laughs> art because some of them are Awesome. Uh, so, um, so no, we when I joined, we were five, including my lead, mm. uh, Xavier Henri, another French uh, person. So I was quite happy. We were five, and um, and the work was split depending of how good you are at at the thing, at the yeah, the topic. So everybody got somehow what they did like to do. That's good. Yeah, that even though I mean. Happen. All of my colleagues were they were they were they were pretty good at everything. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, but um, in Elite Dangerous, I've designed um, a couple of uh, spaceships uh, that I've never published. Actually, I should. I worked on the so I'm not sure how it's called in game because I mean during production things got a lot of different names. I think it's called the Chieftain. Um, so I've designed the chieftain and his different variation. Uh, it was um, it's a different ship uh, when you look at how the the ships in Elite Dangerous look because they wanted something a bit different with moving engines and not triangular. <laughs> so that was a fun um, exploration, but that was uh, also really hard because. I mean, so far on Elite, I was designing other things, but not spaceships. It was weirdly, weirdly, Elite is a space game with spaceships, but actually a lot of the spa um, spaceships existing in this game had already been designed and there are no new spaceship coming. Somehow, right. a new one. Whoop, funny. So I was super happy, but I was <laughs> terrifying. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I did learn a lot. I mean, if it was only for me, I would nowadays I would do a lot of things differently for sure. Mm. But that was um, that was a challenging and fun experience. Um, after that, I got to design the the Guardians uh, fighters. So if you don't know, Elite Dangerous Squad, the Guardians are some kind of uh, alien species, based mm. uh, mineral based. Uh, Speci, I would say, and they wanted. Um, um, they had this cool idea of um, having fighters that are uh, hybrids, so human technology mixed with alien technology. 
and uh, and yeah, and so those fighters were hybrid prototypes. So you also, uh, as well as Elite Dangerous, worked on Mass Effect, which is a big thing for me because Mass Effect is one of my favorite game franchises. However, uh, so I have to confess, I've not played Andromeda just yet, but I have played <laughs> three. And there's a reason for that, which I'm going to come on to. But before I do, do you want to tell us again, along a similar theme of sort of working in a team, how big that team was and what part you worked on? Sure. Uh, so for Mass Effect, it was uh, different because before I was in uh, studio. So that, that happened before Frontier. and. Um, it was in freelance. I didn't get to work at BioWare. I uh, okay. was uh, working for an outsourcing company called Volta, who was working for BioWare. So right. oh, I never worked directly with the team. That, ha mm. that happens a lot in the world of freelance, that you get to work with outsourcing studios. And, I mean, I've, I've got to confess, I never played any Mass Effect game. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, okay, yeah. you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I, I have them all, but I haven't played yeah. them yet. And so my contribution was not massive on uh, Mass Effect. I've mostly designed a couple of props for two different alien race. I don't remember the names. Sorry for the fans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but every time people ask me, oh, what you've done for Mass Effect? Like, uh, they want to do everything. And I'm like, well, I haven't done a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> I've been given a really nice uh, art bible and a couple of pitches, and I've done uh, props for uh, for alien races. So I didn't work in um, in a team for that. It was only the, um, the outsourcing studio art director and okay. uh, other freelancers. Uh, that's very interesting because you've got, like you say, when people hear Mass Effect or any game they recognize, then they think you were involved in everything and you did everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas you might be, even if you're on the team, you might be working on a small part. And in your case, you're working for an outsourcing company. So did that feel weird to be not part of the team, like physically part of the team, but working on the game at the same time? Not at all, actually. I thought that was actually fun, mostly because you, well, obviously in your work, you're trying to answer and prepare all the constraints they're going to have forward uh, making this. Mm. But, but you, I don't know, I felt less constrained, uh, okay. honestly. Mostly because all the talk with game designers and what's possible and not, and with the other developers and everything, I mean, all of this was done. Because in studio, what's different is that it's not just me and the art director and the rest of the art team. Uh, when I get the pitch, I go to the animators, the game designers, the, the sometimes the programmers, uh, and the sound designers to see what we can do. Not necessarily what is their take, but what they need to answer for mm -hmm. uh, in, on their part. And I need to be able to visualize that in the image I'm going to produce. But when I'm a freelancer, I mean, obviously I'm going to ask questions, but usually all of those kind of constraints are already fetched for me i get that yeah and i guess it's um yes it's slightly different with your being a freelancer and an outsource company but like you say because if the process like of the company is good then like you feel you still feel part of the overall thing 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I didn't really feel like I was part of uh, Bioware, mostly because I was not directly working for them. There was a yeah. um, in-between. I still enjoyed it, though. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, it's one of my favorite uh, game franchises. And so the reason I have not played Andromeda is because when the first it came out, there's a bit of a gap to Andromeda, uh, and it didn't get the best of receptions for various reasons, that game, yeah. which I admit did sort of put me off playing it. I will get to at one point but at a time it definitely put me off but the reason i bring that up is for yourself as someone who worked on the game and this can apply for any game but you you're working on something that is then put out to the public and then the public sort of judge it like for better or worse for judge yeah. it has has that been like how do you find that that process is that something you're aware of like the feedback on this game in particular or just your work in general and how do you handle that kind of feedback positive or negative um for for mass effect andromeda i didn't take it personally because my contribution was so small and was not yeah impacting in any way or it be um was not impacted by uh, those kind of bugs so mm. i mean yeah I, I definitely i did feel not distant but i mean i i was i was not feeling impacted by this obviously i did i wish uh, the game had a better reception and not all the problems it mm. had uh, obviously but i mean i i can live with that i still say i still tell people I did work on this and I'm not yeah. ashamed or anything. Uh, no. But for for positive feedbacks, I mean, Elite Dangerous got a massive um, community mm. and they like to, to create videos about like everything new in the game. And it's such a pleasure to watch those kind of videos or, or blog posts from the players saying what they did like. And and I mean, some of them have such a strong eye, and they they see what you what I think the the normal player. I'm not going to say that like that because because that's a bit pejorative. But um, I mean, they they go deaf to doing what's been done, mm. and that that that's really nice to read or to see that in in video and to hear that that did like this function or how this vfx rolls or or yeah that's that's really cool <laughs> i think yeah. that's the the greatest reward yeah it is it's, it's like even in a in a sense like when we make our comics and sometimes where you in in my case i'm when i'm writing i'm writing myself and then uh, working with our artists and you forget there's other people who might be interested in your work so it's like when you see feedback from people it's like, oh yeah people are enjoying this and they have they have thoughts and that's that's really cool i think any creative thing to see other people sort of enjoying engaging with your work um no matter what part you played on it is really cool yeah i agree yeah so looking looking ahead uh, a bit i know that you've you've got a a project with Creative Assembly. I assume you can't talk about. No, okay. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I can't. Uh, I'm really, I mean, and I and I, I mean, I'm not working at Creative Assembly anymore, so I don't even have new information. But so far, mm. it hasn't been announced. Uh, I mean, you could you can follow their um, Twitter, so you can see a glimpse of, uh, of things. But yeah, I can't say anything except that it's a first person first person uh, shooter. Mm. Uh, 
And yeah, I think it's exciting and I definitely look forward to the announcement. So, yeah, when you can talk about it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. And so but part of the other reason I bring that, because I know we speak to uh, people who are working on things and, you know, you, you can't always say what you're working on at a time. So then I like to think sort of more generally at the industry and for, uh, for yourself, not necessarily projects you're specifically working on, but are there games from a art perspective that you are excited about coming this year or that you've really started playing this year? Uh, well, actually, I'm looking forward to find some time to play Elder Ring and Horizon okay. Forbidden West. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love uh, the uh, the Dark Souls world. Mm. Uh, I love it to death. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I really can't wait to, to find time to, to play Elder Ring. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of positive things. I because I'm not good at games, and those are really hard games. So I've always been like put off getting into them. Although I've seen a lot of the positive reaction from Elder Ring, so I'm kind of curious. But I also know in the back of my mind, like I'll be frustrated with the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you love it, you're still frustrated. I mean, that's yeah. horrible. That's a love hate relationship. Uh, yeah. Stockholm syndrome. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so you're definitely in that in that Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Horizon, uh, I can I can get to, but I've only because I'm really slow as well. Um, I've only just started playing for, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, so right. I need to catch up. Yeah, I need to catch up with that and then get into Forbidden West. It's uh, yeah, so it's an ongoing thing on our podcast that uh, it just takes me ages to to get the games, unless they're games like Mass Effect, which I played um, as they came <laughs> out. <laughs> cool, All right, and. On a similar no, are there any game universes that you would love to be uh, a part of uh, in terms of mm. like creating artwork for? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I, I'd I'd love to be one day part of whatever's going to be the next Horizon <laughs> <laughs> or Destiny. Destiny, I really love their their world. Oh, yeah. They've got beautiful, beautiful um, world mm. development team. So. I don't know, one day maybe. But I think that my dream forward, something I've never tried so far, but I'd love to, not not to change, but I'd like to try working in the, the movie industry instead or TV shows like okay. on Netflix. Mm. Because it's it's similar and I guess different a little bit in terms of pipeline and time <laughs> as mm. well. I think it's more fast-paced. But yeah, I, I'd love um to try that yeah that'd be really cool i know like like you say games film tv sort of can be quite similar like the mandalorian for example uses mm. um unreal engine so i imagine there's a lot of skills that transfer over from one to the other yeah definitely and also because so far i've only been doing science fiction and i really love it but i also love uh fantasy actually <laughs> i really do love fantasy so I'd, I'd like I mean, uh, I'm working right now on on um, some personal pieces, more in this kind of mood. So, so people stop contacting me only for science fiction. <laughs> you put yourself in a box. Exactly. <laughs> You're the sci sci-fi person. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool, and yeah, hopefully that works. That uh, those opportunities come for you. Before we get into our guest advice segment, uh, I do want to ask one more question um, of uh, you, Emily. And sort of looking back at your career, what have you 
learn your career so far let me not <laughs> like put it into it uh, today but your career so far uh what have you learned about yourself from sort of the different roles that you've had and, and development that you've been on mm, through through all the different studios and the kind of work i had to do i think i've learned that i i, I need I, I need challenges and goals to keep going and to be happy work takes a big part of my life and is definitely uh, the biggest part of the compass of um, mm. how my life feels to me, good or bad. And um, I, I, won't, I think I, I, won't, I, I won't be stuck anymore in my comfort zone because I know that's not something that makes me happy. But I, yeah, I, I had a hard time putting the finger on on what was wrong uh when i was not feeling happy about work so yeah okay all right that's yeah that's really good that you identified that. i think like i found where you can you can almost get into a routine and you forget to like check in as to what makes you happy like you say work takes up a large part of our lives so being able to identify like what do i like what uh, fuels me in that sense is a good thing to do mm. Okay, and with that, we're going to get into our guest advice for the week. In each interview, we like to ask our guests to give a piece of advice for creating, for aspiring creative professionals. Today, we're talking video games. So, Emily, what advice do you have for others who may be listening and want to get started with creating art for video games? I would say to them that there is no age is never too late i started late compared to most of my peers and there will always be people who are gonna tell you the complete opposite i mean the only person who truly knew you is yourself uh, so do be, believe in your capacity obviously don't be blind and don't don't lie to yourself but I mean, you're the only mm. one knowing your skills and capacity. So mm. I mean, just just um, go for it if you feel like you 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 can do it, even though you hear the complete opposite. Yeah, it's really good. I guess yeah, just sort of go for it with that self awareness exactly. and yeah, a little touch of realism um, as well. Yeah, very important. The, re yes. the touch of realism. <laughs> yeah, not too much, but just a little bit. <laughs> no. Exactly. Cool. So, yeah, listeners, let let us know what you think. You can always give us your thoughts to feedback at mymatter.com. So before we end, uh, we're just going to jump into our bonus round. This is the part where we throw in some questions or random thoughts that don't quite fit anywhere else. Uh, so Taz is not here, so I'm going to uh, throw in a couple questions. So our last two questions for Emily, and they're around comics because... Uh, you mentioned liking comics, right? Yeah. We make comics, so I can't let you go without asking about comics. Um, <laughs> how did you How did you get into comics, and do you have any favorite titles? Um, so it's it's thanks to my mum <laughs> again. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's an incredible woman. Yeah, your mum's amazing. Like comics and video games, like <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And and she she's not even into comics. She doesn't like that. <laughs> that's so weird. But I mean, I pretty much uh, learned how to read with comics, but not American comics with uh, French bande dessinée, which is somehow the equivalent. 
Because you mentioned Asterix and not Obelix, which is like yeah. a very European comic. Yeah, true. Um, mm. Belgian comics. I think it's Belgian. But, um, but yeah, I did read a lot of Asterix and Obelix. But my favorite is uh, it's not a well-known bande dessinée, actually. It's called Janet Pointu. It's from Was Turner, who is... Mm, no, I think he's still alive. And... Um, it's uh, it's basically my Lara Croft, uh, but back in uh. when I was younger. It's definitely not Lara Croft, but she is a journalist and a adventurous, brave. Right. And I mean, at this time there were not a lot of uh, female main protagonist uh, mm. in Disney. and my mom brought me that one day, and yeah, the love story started with. Uh, <laughs> With this bande dessinée and bande dessinée um, as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Again, uh, shout out to your mom for uh, <laughs> introducing that. And so you mentioned like those being sort of more European comics. Uh, are you into any of like, I guess, the more traditional sort of Marvel, DC, or any other comic franchises? I I won't say no. It's just I never bought any. I do watch the movies, but uh, yeah, I definitely never bought any American comics. Yeah. Interesting. And is are there any of the? No, I mean you know because sometimes you get. That's why I like asking the questions because everyone has their particular perspective, right? So I'm like someone I've read some of the comics, not a whole lot, and you know, uh, taking a, uh, a lot of manga as well. But then you said like some European titles that I've not heard of. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a whole perspective around comics that might not be yours, but it's interesting still. But are there any of the like Marvel DC films that you do like? Well, I, I guess I, I do enjoy the Avengers and Spider-Man, even though I think my favorite character is, um, is Loki. Okay, oh, <laughs> troublemaker yeah. kind of character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do like the character. I do like the. I think the the actor uh, is great. I don't remember his name. The, yeah, the Avengers. I mean, the the last one I've saw was the. Uh, well, I, I won't find the name. Uh, I'm really bad at this. I think it was the Eternals. That's oh, the Eternals. The, the um yeah yeah the uh, the I was gonna say new but last year. Yeah. Okay, so you enjoyed that? I did enjoy that, uh, but I'm a bit biased because I, I, th- I think I enjoyed it more for its VFX. Right. I thought the VFX oh, were yeah, right. yeah, really, yeah. really good. Yeah, uh, that's it's such an interesting one because we covered it on the on the podcast. We had a sort of oh few, really? Yeah, we had a few guests and we had such a range of guests. So we had people who were really into the comics and knew the knew all the the, the source material and didn't like it. We had um, uh, Tazzy, who's not here, but she really enjoyed it. I was somewhere in the middle, like I liked it, and but I could see some of the the issues that it had. But I yeah. overall, I, I liked that it was something different uh, within like Marvel, something a bit different to sort of the, the typical things that we've seen from the MCU. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. You. You. I mean, you've got the more um, educated opinion about this because you if you read the comics you know the stories and stuff like this i come as mm. a complete noob <laughs> without knowing any kind of stories so yeah it's just a movie sometimes it helps <laughs> yeah sometimes sometimes you can know too much because then you come in with expectations obviously and yeah so i don't know but no that is really cool yeah those are all my all my questions so uh, emily thank you for joining me for this interview Thank you, Nigel. Uh, that was great to be here. Cool. 
No, I appreciate it. And uh, for all our listeners, uh, if you also enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a future episode. And you can also go back uh, and listen to all our past ones, including our conversation around Eternals. A very interesting conversation, uh, that one. Um, you can also give us a quick rating and review, which helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. I mentioned it at the top, our new manga, Serious Through the Fog, is out now. You can check out the latest release plus our other titles at the Mayamada website, mayamada.com forward slash manga. You can also join our Studio 77 Discord for free uh, and consider becoming a member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the Mayamada universe. And another thing that I've already mentioned, but we'll do it again because our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign is live. So we've launched it. You can check out the website at looklikeagamer.com and stay tuned because we have more events and activities coming. This is a campaign we've put out so that future generations of diverse talent knows will know that there's a place for them in video games production. So we're aiming to do our part to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So definitely check that out because we've got a bunch of um, plans in store. We've launched the photos of the 40 in our uh, photo campaign. And uh, as I mentioned, we have news coming about campaign events and how you can get involved. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll see you again very soon. Mm-hmm.